Hey everybody, I'm Alex, and this is Lunchbox Radio Sunday Edition. Now, if you haven't gone and heard the, since I haven't been very good about posting the videos of these because I've been lazy, but if you haven't gone and heard the episode on Tokyo Revengers, I encourage you to check it out. Um, it is, it's a great show, and I would love if you checked out the podcast. So, if you haven't seen it, you kind of know what you're in for, of course, because I'm me and I can't help myself. Spoiler warnings for that entire freaking show because of the way I talk about it and the way I felt like I had to talk about it on that episode. That said, what I want to talk about today is a curious thing um, that I came across when I made a bad decision. I want to be clear, this was a bad decision. I um, I started watching Foundation because I was, I was stranded in a hotel um, in a different state when it came out, so I was like, why not watch this first episode, and then I promptly did not watch the second episode, um, until yesterday, when I was actually at home in my, like, creation space, where I have my TV and all that stuff, and all the stuff I'm using to record these videos, and then I would just, like, you know when you don't, you know when you go see a movie, and then after the movie, you're just kind of, like, a loose person, totally capable of ruining the like afterglow of seeing a movie for yourself and oftentimes what I'll do is I'll like not listen to anything at least until I get to the train station after I've seen a movie because oftentimes I take the train in in or out to see a movie in um say New York or something but Sometimes you just don't do that, and that's pretty common when you are watching stuff on TV. Lots of times when you watch stuff on TV, you don't give it a whole lot of room to breathe because you te- you treat TV as different from a movie. And um, the so what I'm trying to say is I, I watched a very good episode of TV, and then I watched some um, YouTubers rank Ghibli movies because I hate myself. Um, <laughs> I'm not saying that, like, there's nothing, that there's anything wrong with, like, YouTubers rating Ghibli movies. But it got me thinking. It got me thinking about what different kinds of reviewers and different, what's the best word for it? Different, um, different goals of reviewers, how they perceive and, um, I don't know what the right word for it is, but um, perceive and process movies. For example, um, the I forget the reviewer's name, and I don't want to dunk on him, so I'm not going to say it here. But he um, he really disliked Ocean Wave, which is um, a Studio Ghibli. It's a it's a Studio Ghibli made for TV movie. I encourage you to watch it because it is one of the kind of I find it to be a seminal, like, Iyashke melodrama work in a way that kind of they've never made before or since. And I, I just find it to be a really interesting thing. And also, he didn't really have a whole lot of context for 
the movie then partially that was because he like did this cold and for the first time ever he like subscribed to HBO HBO Max and watched all the Ghibli movies which is a thing you can do now which is kind of incredible but he he got to the wind rises and that's when I knew that there was something there was something off about the list there was like some there was like some information that wasn't being filtered through properly. And Ghibli is one of the few um, studios that I do this with because it's one of the, A, because one of the few studios that I like know all that information and B, because it, at some point, it attempted to become a family business and failed, basically. And that context goes into the making of The Wind Rises. The Wind Rises is about a failure of a father and a husband, basically. Um, it's, uh, but him having great success in his work and what, and, but also the, like, lasting effects of his work. Because about the the um, Japanese engineer who developed um, the planes that I believe would become the kamikaze planes, um, and it is essentially a portrait of somebody who has been very successful and very and very skillfully, you know, helped to make anime what it is now, and it's a portrait of his regret in a doing that and b how he ultimately treated his family in the long term. Because if you um if you know anything about um say up on up on Poppy Hill or um Tales from Earthsea, you know that sorry about that. Um from Up on Poppy Hill took um took um Sorry about the background noise. Nothing I can do about it. But um, from up on Poppy Hill was taken away. Was like partially directed by Hayao Miyazaki because he could see his son struggling. He could see his son Goro struggling and didn't like didn't want to help him in the way you would normally help him. Just wanted to do the movie instead. And that's how that went. And in terms of Tales of Mercy. I, I, my guess is that old man anime Miyazaki is not necessarily great at reading people all the time. That's just my that's my wild guess, uh, because when your son directs his first movie, it's not very good. Sometimes you read the room and you don't tell him that it sucks. You just say, like, it was pretty good. It could use some work, but it was pretty good. I Not, this is bad. Because that's not, like, a thing you do to a kid. Usually, even if the kid invites it, you don't do that to you, to a kid, much less your kid. And that informs the conversation about all the movies I just mentioned in the Studio Ghibli library. Um... There's a conversation we had about, like, anti-warness but fetishism of war machines in all of 
and most of, if not all of, um, Miyazaki's stuff because he's very into like mechanical, into like traditional mechanical line of like planes and like boats and shit. But he is staunchly anti-war. Well, only thing he's more staunch about is being anti-nuclear. Um, so it, the reason why I'm bringing all this up is because it demonstrates something that I think that I try to get away from in my best moments. And I think that people should want, that reviewers should want to get away from more. And that's taking the movie at face value and not really its emotionality. Because if you look at something like Ocean Waves, it's a very emotional, almost pretty traditional romance anime film. <laughs> but if you look at it like stock standard, it can get pretty boring. And it, it and even if you look at it stock standard, you miss the kind of like calm, you miss the you miss the feeling that it's trying to start you off on with the title of Ocean Waves. It's this kind of moment where both those characters are in. Um, and I believe I've reviewed Ocean Waves on the podcast. You can go find it in the podcast feed. I'll double check. If I haven't, I may yet review it. But um, it's this moment of these characters being kind of stuck and in a place where nothing matters and trying to find whatever matters to them. And it's a nice, slow, like, feeling of a movie that is much more about the atmosphere that the movie creates than the actual movie, if that makes any sense. And I think that reviewers should get less away from the facts of the film and more towards the way the movies make them feel or the way the movies, the reason the movies were made. Because you look at um, The Wind Rises. I went to see The Wind Rises in theater in New York when it came out, in America at least. And that movie without the context of Miyazaki like just kind of looking back on his life and being ashamed of not his work but of the way he handled his life outside of his work divorced from that context it doesn't it just doesn't work when when you view it as a thing apart from its creator it it's a different movie and that takes a kind of like emotional realization of like, oh, this guy has some serious regrets because he sacrificed a lot to get to where he is now and it wasn't always a good idea to. <laughs> and I just, I want more, I want more emotional intelligence poured into reviews. That's part of the reason why I talk about anime, the w and I've talked about this on Sunday shows before, but that's part of the reason why I talk about anime the way I talk about it, is because so much of nerd culture and so much of enthusiast culture, even, not even nerd culture, or cr 
critical or the critical lens is devoted to is this thing technically good? Like does it does this thing meet the mark? What's what's this out of how many stars is it out of ten? And the bottom line is that while something might be a five star movie, it might be it might have an interest or game or TV show. It might have an interesting thing in it that is like a ten out of ten every time. Um, what I'll leave it is, I I forget what it's called. It's it was one of the first. It was actually one of the early games out on Switch. Um, it was that um, SNK fighting game where they got all the girls and made Terry into a girl because they needed Terry in an SNK game and they like dressed them up in costumes and it was weird and let's be clear like that game was not very good uh, anybody m- most people who tell you who played it can tell you that but the thing that was also true is that it was weird in a way that things don't usually get to be that weird and still like hop, um, hop, hop the, hop the pond from Japan to America, and it was even weirder because it happened on the Nintendo Switch pretty early in its life cycle. Like that was, that was a clear delineation of like Nintendo was like, no, we're letting adult games on here. It's fine. <laughs> like no, like they. This is this is kinky as shit. Welcome to it. <laughs> and even though it wasn't a great game, I remember sitting it I remember sitting Lauren down in front of him, like, here play this weird thing. And she was like, This is weird as shit, but it's kind of hilarious. <laughs> it has its own qualities to it. I, I wouldn't say it's good, but it's entertaining. And that was her honest reaction to it. And that was also my honest reaction to it. Probably when I sat down from like, Lauren, check this, check this shit out. It's real weird. Um, but the... So it wasn't a good thing. Like, it wasn't like a... It was a product that was just weird. But it had something... There was something in this. Someone inspired enough to make this big weird thing and go for it. And sometimes you need to consider that when you consider like, oh, this show is bad. Yeah, it's bad, but like somebody took the swing, and that's part of the reason why I never, why I don't very often get into like bad animation bad like stuff like that unless it's like unless it's like handshakers you spent so much time thinking wondering if you could wondering if you could that you never stopped and thought if you should um unless it's like that i usually don't pick fights with um animation or stuff like that because it takes so much effort and it takes so much cooperation just to put something out like just to put something out like the the most bizarre 
piece of trash you have ever watched in the anime world had to get to your eyeballs somehow. And yes, it may have been like a catastrophe of a production process. It may have been like awful in terms of like work-life environment, but there was effort put in somewhere. And that's, that's important. And like... So another thing I watched yesterday was um the second episode of the new season of the morning show, and they they have this scene in that show where and this is actually where I'm gonna leave it. They have this scene in this show where uh, so you have an idea of um the morning show is basically a take on the um, Matt Lauer harassment and sex scandal, but the Matt Lauer character is played by um and the and the and the ensuing aftermath of that scandal the um Matt Lauer character is played by um Steve Carell which is inspired and at this point in the show um spoilers for the morning show by the way um at this point in the show Steve Carell is kind of like hermited himself in Lake Cuomo Italy and there's a moment when he's just like Sitting, reading the paper, keeping tabs in a way that he shouldn't. <laughs> um, and an American woman comes up to him and just chews him out. Just destroys him. Like, but like eviscerates him in the way that like you try to eviscerate people for the internet. And later on in that same um, scene, you realize that her friend was like, was... Her, her friend was taping it for the, for the gram and, like, world star horseshit was happening. But this woman comes up and... This Italian woman comes up and she, like... Knocks this girl down a peg. And, and even Steve Carell tries to, in a more polite way, says, like... Look, I get that you're pissed. I, like, I, I'm a terrible person. Like, he's, he is not a good person in this show. And he's like, I get that you're pissed. You have a, I, I guess you have a right to, to yell at me. But I would love it if you yelled directly at me and not at other people. <laughs> and not, like, in a performative way for others. Like, if you want to spit in my face, go ahead. But you don't need to do it from fucking 10 feet back so everybody sees and it ruins everybody's meal. Because <laughs> he's sitting at like a gelato. He's sitting at like a cafe having gelato. And he expresses this like... And the point of that... That point of the episode is very much the, cat, the person they cast to be the American ladies reaming him out. It's very much the like... Buy a pink pussy hat off the internet and never wear it. Kind of adult woman in her mid in like her late twenties to mid thirties, and there's a real the real conversation to be had there, and that that show doesn't necessarily handle it great, and it knows it's not handling it great, and it's doing that for like a very specific reason. 
and we and you don't know at the at the uh, viewer I don't know what that is yet because I haven't like put that part of the put the next part of that scenario in, in front of me but the it's this exp- it's it was this really good expression of a thing that now exists and that's this like not like SJWs like Twitter or something but like people who don't and everybody's guilty of this at some point. People who talk the talk but don't walk the walk. People who, like, use outrage for the sake of, of A, outrage, and B, their own, their own self-image. Um, you see this on, you see this in, like, MAGA and, like, all that other shit all the time, but you all, you see it everywhere. And this was... This was a, like, practice of showing what that can look like when it's the left going after someone they believe who deserves it, who deserves it, who, in this case, does deserve it. Matt Lauer was a creep. Um, I forget the character name that, um, what's this Steve Carell played, but Steve Carell's character in this is a creep. Like, the reason he banished himself to Italy, he's a creep. But, like, just because he's in front of, just because that's in front of that person does not mean that person has the right to be, to, like, get their 15 minutes of fame off it. Does not have the right to bring that mob mentality as one person to his doorstep for her benefit. And that's a really hard thing to demonstrate. And even as I say it, I know, I know that there are people who will be like, no, it totally does. He, he, he did wrong. He deserved to suffer. And I'm like, yeah, but does everybody else in that cafe does like do where does that stop and anime and films and entertainment their job is to bring up these things and oftentimes bring up these complicated things and show them to us in a more plain clear way and oftentimes that has to do with a lot of emotionality, a lot of all these things. And like, yeah, it doesn't always come out clean. But sometimes you want to at least appreciate it for coming out clean, for for doing, trying to do anything of what it did. Um, the last Ghibli movie I'll drop in here because it's a good example of this is um, Howl's Moving Castle. There are people who love Howl's Moving Castle. There are people who don't. I like how I like how Moving Castle. I'm not like it's not my favorite Ghibli movie. My favorite Ghibli movie will always be um, envi- environmentalism good, pollution bad, freaking Princess Mononoke. Let's go for life. But Howl's Moving Castle is having a lot of conversations at once, and it's easy to lose the thread. You need to keep like parts of historical record of the world in your head you need to keep all kinds of things in your head in order for that movie to like some be 
the sum of its parts by the end. And you also need to have like some amount of emotional intelligence to be like, oh, love is the thing that brings Sophie out of her curse every so often and ultimately gets her out of it. But I appreciate that Miyazaki, that Miyazaki and most likely the book it's based on don't take you by the hand and like plot it out for you. They they let you experience it the way you experience it and maybe you need to watch it a second time. And it's... It's really... It's also really difficult to put yourself out there like that in terms of talking about reviews and talking in terms of talking about shows like when I talked about um, and actually when I talk about in person when anime cons are allowed to be a thing um, when I talk about shows like um, what's it called like um, No Gun like No Gun's Life or like um, what's it called um Interviews with Monster Girls or uh, Monster Musume. And I talk about my disability and these shows' representation and treatment of characters with disabilities and, like, the things they go through. That's a big deal for me. That's why I keep doing it. Um, and I know it's a big deal for people who hear the... who have heard those episodes, which if you haven't and you want to, those are in the podcast feed. Um... Before this one, no gun. I believe the second season, of No Gun's Life, is like one that's pretty close to this. Um, but it just, it doesn't. It's not for everybody. But the thing I'll leave you with is a recommendation, and that recommendation is, if you want that in your conversation about movies, I encourage you to go seek out a um. YouTube channel called Nightly Bread Sword. And Nightly Bread Sword is he he doesn't he put he makes really long videos. He makes like two, three hour, sometimes four hour monster videos. Um or verging on four hour monster videos. And they are about just that. They are about like the emotionality of watching something. The like he has this great video about the place he was in his life when he watched Gurren Lagann. He has, the, I think the first video he ever put out was um, the his video on Treasure Planet, which is amazing. And it's, it's this blend of history and of the history of whatever he's talking about and um, the emotionality of the people involved making it and his feelings about it, um, his video on Howl's Moving Cattle, kind of amazing. Um, but you, that's really what, I, how, how I love reviews to be. I love reviews to be talking about, like, the emotional place this work brings them to or something like that. And at least out of, like, so much of what review culture has become, I don't usually see it. I see like a, and this part of the reason why I like Giant Bomb is because they, they talk about like, like the, this game just doesn't, 
feel good. I'm not like we don't put numbers on things for a reason because that's useless. But I just don't like the game the way the game feels. Um, and also doing reviews that way helps you avoid landmines. And that is like, what if this show is really good, but it's about a tiny Nazi child? A.K.A. Tanya the Evil. What if that show's really good? I don't care if I watch the whole thing. I don't care if I, if like it was entertaining. I will probably always drag it through the mud because it's 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 a show that was like, hey, what if Nazis were cool? And I'm like, ah, no, no, Mm-mm. we don't get to do that. <laughs> On that note, um, my name has been Alex. This has been Lunchbox Radio Sunday Edition. And I will talk at you on Thursday.